Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. We now join the theatre's associate director and your host, Hamish Peary. Welcome to Travcast, our monthly salon where we interview writers about playwriting and what playwriting means to them in their lives. And this month, excitingly, we have Gary McNair. Hi, Hamish. Hi, Gary. Gary came to the fore with winning the Platform 18 Award with the show How Soon Is Nigh, then went on to do Crunch, which, which is touring later in the year, and was at the festival last year, and then Count Me In, which is touring again with the NTS later in the year, and then very excitingly, he's coming to Traverse One with his new show, Born to Run, which was at Aura More before. Gary, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Really well. Thanks so much for being here. Very welcome. So, writing. When was the first time you did anything close to writing? Like, almost as a child, is there a moment where something, not, I'm not saying when you wrote a play and sent it in somewhere, mm-hmm. but that bit before, was some sort of caveman scribble on a, on a playroom <laughs> wall? Um, yeah, I, I guess I... I, I <coughs> I suppose if I sit and think about that, there was probably moments where I didn't realise I was writing, but was writing. Um, a friend of mine and me, a guy I don't know anymore, um, we decided in primary school to start a band. And that band consisted of us sort of writing some songs down. We never sang any of them, never had any tunes. We never really got very far with it. We were, I get realised, about nine. Um, no, da- no, like not dance routines or, anyth- or, or music or instruments that would be associated with the band, just some, some lyrics, I guess. Um, None of which I can really remember, so can share with you at all. But like, I guess, <laughs> I guess that would be uh, the first time I ever wrote anything. Um, but that was that. That was that didn't go very far. And was there a story to it? Or was it was it a narrative or like to the songs? Yeah, well, I do remember. What, no, 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 it wasn't at all. I guess what I guess what happened was what I didn't realise I was doing at the time was just hearing songs on the radio that I liked, and just subbing out their words and putting in new words. Um, so yeah, that w- wasn't much of a what you'd call a writing experience. Well, could you trace that idea? Is there a, was there a theme with writing lyrics that went into your first plays or your first? Is there a next development? Was your next scribble something like a two and a half minute play or? No, no. I think it was basically just um, don't do that again. Suppress that for a while and then wait till something of any uh, worth or merit comes into your head or hand via a pen. Um, and what was the first thing that did? Good question. I don't know. I don't really know. Um, it hasn't I guess. Come in yet. Well, it hasn't come in yet. Did you? Say no? <laughs> I hope not. Um, I, I guess then w- when I went into high school and there was, I always really enjoyed creative writing tasks at school. Um, when you got to chance to explore and create new worlds, I guess. Um, so the few chances we did get to be creative that I remember in English when we were able to uh, write stories or create worlds. Oh, I remember I won a poetry competition in primary school. Yeah, I I, to, I, I don't I, I told the story about the Yarrow Marchers from the perspective of a wall that was watching them walk by. What what happened in it? I've no idea, but I remember there was a there was a lot of uh, they were impressed by that. The uh, primary school teachers. Um, oh, I wonder if that still exists actually. It's probably embossed in bronze somewhere on my primary school wall. It's not. It's probably most definitely not. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that was probably the first thing 
There you go. But that, was a really, but that was a really exciting answer to that question because already I've got a really nice growth there, haven't I, from someone scribbling some song lyrics. Yeah. Then I've got a poem. Mm, yeah, no, good call. And then come, when did this first play land? Well, I guess it was we sort of experimented with different writings of plays when I was when I took higher drama and I went on to take advanced higher drama in sixth year on my own. There was nobody else in the school wanted to take it, so I took it on my own. Um, and so I had to create a lot of stuff on my own and give a lot of things to the... We would use the standard grade class as actors and I say we, I mean me, uh, as actors in what would be my assessment pieces. So I guess I kind of had to do everything at that point in order to get through that year. So, yeah, I guess that was when I really had to not rely on anyone else to... Because in higher you could sort of do it as a team and you could not pull your weight or whatever. But at that point, yeah, I kind of had to... I had to really do it all. So I get it was a couple of things I made in that year that really sort of made me go, oh, this is quite, this is quite good. I quite like this, you know. Because um, I had a great teacher, which I don't think I would have done another class on my. I don't think I would have picked any other subject on my own if it wasn't for the fact that I had a really good teacher at school. So I thought that he could be able to lead me through that process on my own and not just. Um, because I, I don't know, I, I imagine some teachers wouldn't be particularly interested in having one person in the class that would feel like, oh, if he didn't take that, I wouldn't have to do this class. But, you know, he really, <clears throat> he really ran with it, which is, which is great. It's a really wonderful image of you taking a, a year's class on your own. Mm. Not, not, not consistently. I, mean, I did go out to physics and stuff like that and come back in. <laughs> it, wasn't like, it wasn't like a sentence. I think it's great as sort of a step towards, so, as in soul creation, because mm. you said normally when you do that sort of stuff, you're with lots of other people. Here you are, right, no, this is me on my own. I've got to do this. This, take, this level of responsibility is all about me. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess I didn't really realise, when you look back at the, the work you've mentioned, like Crunch, Count Me In, um, How Soon Is Now, it's just me on stage. And so you could say that that is maybe something to do with that. I, maybe it is, maybe it's a happy accident, I don't know, because... But I, at the same time, all those shows are, inher are in inherently collaborative as well. You know, there's so many people involved in making those shows, but you kind of take the sort of over overall authorship of, of that work and I have to take it. So maybe that experience in, in, in school led me to be able to take on that, that role, do you know? Talking about that teacher... Then actually, sort of think about people that have inspired you and influences. If I was asked you to pick sort of three stepping stones that were inspirations or people have influenced from that young man when he was writing his songs with a mate to the man I see before me, mm -hmm. who would those three people or moments be? I get, I, yeah, I think there'd be more moments. Yeah, I mean, I think when I was when I was we, the guys that really made me want to make stuff I guess it was a combination of uh, if I was to look at the sort of playground of inspiration at, at, at that age I would say that it was folk like the Marx Brothers and 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 Woody Allen and 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 Seinfeld and stuff like that like co comedic people Steve Martin like I remember what I used to I watched the jerk on a loop when I was when I was wee um coupled with having coupled with having a good teacher that ma made you really think about what you were making and creating and stuff um kind of pushed you beyond because I, I guess like with the songs when I was we I was just sort of trying to emulate these guys and kind of make your own Marx Brothers scene or whatever you know not so I could be <clears throat> not so that I could be like them but just sort of like amazed at what these those guys made the worlds they made the, the, the sort of bizarre characters that these guys come up with um, and so I guess the first stage of 
being inspired by that is you sort of go, well, I can I can do that and not. So at that stage, you're kind of emulating this thing that's out there that you find amazing. Um, and then bizarrely, I, I guess the next stage of the next stage would have been music um, and not music, but lyricists and songwriters. At, by that point, I kind of, although I did have, I did dabble in other, I have, I have dabbled in other bands and, 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 and stuff, not so much in the same way as my primary school self. Um, but there was musicians that I, I still like go to for inspiration. Like Michael Stipe is a big uh, uh, focal point for me and my, 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 my world is quite often, I'll not go a week without listening to R.E.M. and quite often it'll be quite a lot in that, uh, in that week. Uh, <clears throat> and other musicians, like the Divine Comedy was a big part of my sort of later teenage years and the way that he tells a story through a song, the way that he, I just feel like those people were talking to me as opposed to just singing a song, you know, these guys are um, really important in terms of, not so much, by that point I'd lost the emulation thing, I didn't want to be, a rock star. I don't want to be Michael Stipe. I just admired the way that these guys found the way to say what they wanted to say and realised at that point that you can say the things you want to say rather than emulate the way somebody else does it. Do you know what I mean? That, um, and so I guess later in life, it's just been the, it's taking inspiration from the world around me and realising that it's not about necessarily emulating another form, but trying to stay tuned into the world you're in and making comment on that as the as the job of of the playwright or artist is that what that's ultimately what you're doing you know um so yeah that's a rather long-winded way of saying sort of c comedic films and television stars through sort of music and writers and then now sort of anywhere and everywhere yeah that's really brilliant that idea of realizing that you've got that talk about you said of a job of a writer about stuff that you're interested in that world around you and about needing to communicate about that yeah. which is something that feels very strong especially in sort of your earlier work in Crunch etc about that sort of need and you've got an idea you've got a question that seems to be burdening you yeah and then you it feels like I might tell me if I'm really wrong you've got an idea you've got a question and you sort of explore it on, on your own Mm -hmm. but with an audience in mind and then you take it live in front of an audience yeah. and it's yeah. like we are together trying to fix this problem and you want to do it with us is that is that yeah it's, it's, that's 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 it's pretty spot on I, I think what i i would say of, of certainly of crunch um how soon is now and and kept me in i guess I, I was in a period of time where i was sort of trying to make work in response to things i don't understand um because i guess if i <laughs> I said before, if I was to make things about stuff that I do understand, then I would just make one show and it'd be about REM and then it would be over, you know? So um, there's a lot more I don't understand than, than, than do. And I find that, I find that this, this sort of search for knowledge and understanding things uh, to be a, to be what get, get, kind of gives me my kicks, you know, that idea of searching for answers to, to, to questions, as you say. Um, and I think that, I mean, it was, I really kind of, I guess I kind of realised that I didn't realise I was doing this with, but was and I, I heard Douglas Maxwell say one time he was like every piece and I guess this is quite common every piece needs to have a, a central question at, at its at its heart and I guess without really knowing it I was I was doing that but he, hearing him say that I was like yeah you're right I, that is what has to happen and that's really helped me refine the work from taking it from a big topic such as well crunch investigates money but it has to be 
a more specific question. By the time you've done the field research and looked into that subject and asked why I don't understand it, there has to be a reason then to transfer that into an audience. And the the audience is such an important part for me. Like I always, from from the off, I'm, I'm thinking about this. It, this is an experience for them because that's that's the kind of beauty of me for theatre is the fact that we're, you're going to be sat in this room with these people and so I'm not a big fan of well in, te I, in terms of going to see shows um, I love going to see shows where there's a fourth wall and I can just switch off and, 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 and take in this observe this world but when I make work I tend to think about this shared space and how we're going to go through this together so you, you'll see from uh, from the scripts you've read or from being at shows that there's large sections that just that you can't write down because it requires it requires the audience at that stage you know it, it requires the input from that point on um and that's yeah that that sort of raises some questions about what i suppose what writing is because a lot of times you kind of think well how do you how do i show you a script and show you what the play is if you need to go through the experience of it with the audience so how do you make sense of it until you're until you're there and that can make it i can sometimes make it quite difficult in the making process because as you say there's that stage where it has to go live in front of an audience and when you're quite often so reliant on the audience then it can make a piece quite a large unknown to you um but that's kind of exciting you know and easy i suppose exciting and easier if you're the one performing in it because you can have those questions and answer them to yourself live on stage. Exactly. And go through it and go, all right, you know, a lot of comedians will do sort of a lot of preview shows, work and create right, right live almost, that really brilliant thing. But then that must be difficult when, you've, when you're not in it. Yeah. Yeah, like when, yeah, when, I, mean, I guess there's the big question. I mean, I've made stuff for, a, I've created stuff with other people of mine. So obviously I'm not in Born to Run, but it relies less on the audience than than like Crunchwood, which is a direct conversation that the audience moves the piece forward. Um, if there was no one in the audience for Crunch, then if there was just one guy, it wouldn't be the same experience as a room full of people. Whereas with Born to Run, it's, it, it doesn't require the audience to push it forward. Although the audiences still can, you know, I still apply the same process. I'm always thinking about the audience experience all the way through a piece because otherwise you're not making theatre you're not making that live uh, thing but yeah there is that idea that I can be more I can be more loose with the boundaries between the script and improvisation when I'm in charge of it and I think there's a interesting stage for me now where I think I'm thinking about can I transfer that process over to another performer um, somebody had asked me would I ever consider like giving crunch over to another performer and it's a question that I've not been able to answer for myself yet because it is a piece that's so um th that I feel very well connected to and because there is so much improvising on stage that I kind of there's the script but then there's the understanding of the knowledge around the script in order to take any to handle anything that comes out of the of the performance because there's two things there's sort of inner knowledge beyond the script that allows you to handle any scenario that may come out of it and of the sort of 50 times or so we've done that show it has had a lot of different outcomes that could potentially happen so you're sort of you're doing two things there so yeah interesting though i was thinking that i'm reading crunch the way that you write those moments in in sort of stage directions you say the performer will now ask mm. questions and you give a couple of a list so it felt i was quite 
sort of inspired by that, that already you were seeing him as a performer, you weren't <laughs> saying I or Gary. Yeah. You were sort of almost on a step to going, this could be someone else. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I never really thought of that. Yeah, I guess when I, I guess that's the thing of people sometimes don't maybe necessarily understand that you go through a process of writing it and then you perform and direct it later. You've always got that in mind later on. You're always, you're sort of, when you've got the chance, when you are doing the writing, directing and performing yourself, then you sometimes, you'll just make it as you go along and the script will happen, script will come along, but quite often you'll, you will write large sections of it and just have to push the performance of it and the directing of it out your head in order to write what it is you want to write. So you have to kind of distance yourself from it in that stage and then come at it as a performer later on. Right. Um, although it might partly be because when you hand it over to a technician, you don't want to seem sort of egotistical by writing Gary on it or me. I don't know, maybe it's just that. I've never really, yeah, I, although I, do, I have done that. Um, so maybe that's, maybe that's why I do that. I don't know. Interesting. Good observation, though. So writing for someone, how many times have you done that? Um, well, one to run's the kind of first full show yep. I've done that for. Um, I've done it at various different um, stages. So um, it's in shorter snippets, I guess. Great. I've written so sort of shorter... Carry on. With, with Born to Run, how is that f about... Yeah, giving away that level of response? Because as a performer, mm -hmm. you're in control. You're in control of your thing, aren't you? You've written it, directed yep. it right, brilliant. Yeah. And you go, right, you know, because in a way, it's really interesting he used to talk about some of those big questions you have in your piece, because in a way, a lot of those things are still rather brilliantly in Born to Run, aren't they? Yeah. It still does those jobs yeah, from a yeah. very different perspective, which is really thrilling about it. Yeah. And it can make sense if, you know, if you were to listen to this interview and then read Born to Run or see it, you will go, oh, right, tick, tick, I understand that in a really brilliant way. So, I mean, everyone is, has to give over power at some point or give over control in the creation of art, and it's collaborative yeah. theatre, isn't it? That's what's so exciting about yeah. it. Yeah. But that's a really big step, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so yeah. Like you, how was that the first time you did it? Well, it was, it, was a it was a big step for me, but it was, it was actually came out of a really... It sort of felt like it needed to happen in order to really push myself. I guess over the last few years, I've kind of... Over the last year... So I, I'm involved at the moment at the, in a project with the NTS called the Auteurs Project, where they've identified some sort of theatre makers that kind of do everything, um, i.e. the writing, directing, performing, and they put it up on the feet themselves. They're working with Nick Green, who often goes on stage herself after having created the piece herself, and Kieran Hurley and, and Rob Drummond, who quite often does that same thing as well, and Claire Cunningham as well. That's the five of us. And for me, when I sat and thought, how do I develop over this year in terms of... The idea of it is to make something by the end of it that we could never have normally made. Like, by the end of the two years... It will make a piece that we couldn't have made two years ago at the start of it. Um, so we've been asked to sort of think about our practice in a different way and go and work with different people. And so the idea for me at that point in time, I thought, well, I broke my practice down into different elements and thought, well, it's not it's not often it's just the, the, the one man band because sometimes you get people who think you just stand up and and speak like uh, like you've got an open mic night you've just arrived and you just start talking and somehow it all just sort of comes together and don't really re necessarily realise that <clears throat> there is a process of writing and then, then it comes to the putting it on stage part so I kind of wanted to break that down and say <clears throat> well I want to do some directing on its own 
to improve that craft. I want to do some writing on its own, improve that craft. And I want to seek opportunities to just be a performer to improve that craft. So hopefully when I bring all that stuff back together, those individual components will be better for it. And also get to stretch all of those muscles individually because I enjoy each and every individual part. It's not that I have a sort of individual that I have a desire to have all the control of the situation. Like I do really enjoy all the individual elements. So your question was, yes. Yeah, so handing over that. Yeah, yeah, over. yeah. So it felt, it was actually, it was a real joy. I mean, the first time around it was working with Molly Taylor, a performer who I, I really love uh, working with. I've worked with a couple of times as well. Um, and it's one of the people who I have written stuff for in the past um, for different for different things, smaller pieces. So it was a real joy to be able to work with her on that on that process. But actually, it was a real lesson and for my for my regular practice because I realised that I had to have the thing finished before we started working on it together. Whereas quite regularly. I'll have an idea and then it'll start to work. I'll have most of it down and then it'll start to work itself out through rehearsals. Whereas I had, because I had to hand over the script. So it had to be more or less finished by the time. And just having that isolated writing with it, you can't help yourself out. You can't go, okay, well, the worst comes to the worst. I can pull myself out of this on stage because you can't do that to somebody else. They are a professional actor. They need to have the security of you knowing what they're doing and them ultimately know what you're doing. So it was a really healthy process to go through in terms of when I think about doing that for myself again, I should have more of it done before I'd start to go and to take more... Yeah, have a more sense, have more of an overall sense of the finished product before it then starts to... That might in a way give yourself a head start, won't it? Yeah, you've yeah got further, And then you can yeah. still do the audience stuff, but you you can go further. But in a way, that does all take it away from the audience a little bit, doesn't it? Because it takes it back. Yeah, kind of. It depends on the piece. Like if it was a piece, if it was a piece that's completely relied on the audience again, then it would need to, it would need to have, um, it would need to work. Through. There's a different way you build that show. If it's relying on the audience, you build it more like a. I guess it kind of builds like an album, you know, you go through these series of moments and you think, well, how is how are those moments going to lead to the right feeling in the room? And then you sort of build the the writing onto that structure um, around it. You get the feel first and then you start to build around it. And there's obviously different avenues it can go off on depending on what happens with the audience. Brilliant. But yeah. I love the fact that then we start with lyrics. And we talk about a primary school child writing the other lyrics that he's copied. And then we talk about our love of musicians and the contact. And here we talk about the creation of that album and the completion of that. And I, like all of our listeners, I'm sure, are really looking forward to the complete works and the best of album <laughs> in many years to come. Gary Manet, thank you so much for opening yourself up to us in the last 20 minutes. Thanks for having us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. For more information, please log on to www.traverse.co.uk.